When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and thanks so much for being with me for another week of Women to Watch. I certainly hope as you're listening, you and your family continue to be well. And on this Memorial Day weekend, we certainly want to remember all the courageous men and women who served our country or who have fallen in order to protect us. Uh, I also want to give a special thank you to all of our amazing sponsors who are providing a limited commercial hour tonight for the show. I am truly honored and thrilled to have with me this evening the United States Secretary of Transportation, Elaine Chow. And I'm so grateful that she's taken the time to be with us during the pandemic, which is certainly a very, very busy time for all of our government officials. And she'll be with me in just a moment. Be sure to stay with us as we go into our breaks, where you'll hear from our exclusive watch team of on-air contributors. Um, I think it's very fitting that we welcome Carol Eggert to the show this evening, Senior Vice President of Vel- uh, excuse me, Veteran and Military Affairs for Comcast NBC Universal. She is going to be launching a brand new Military Watch series for us um, as we head into this Memorial Day weekend. Carol brings with her over 30 years of military and civilian experience to the show um, as a retired Brigadier General in the United States Army. So we're very privileged to have her with us every week, beginning tonight. So now uh, I am very honored to welcome to the show Secretary, U.S. Secretary of Transportation, Elaine Chow. Secretary Chow, thank you for joining me. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. We look forward to our I, little chat. I, I am as well. And um, I I wanted to start off the show, one of the things that I was um, quite impressed with looking at your life story was really that first kind of voyage um, from Taiwan at the age of eight years old coming to America. And I wondered if you if you can, you know, look back to that time you were young, but I would imagine uh, an adventure like that would be memorable and Wondering if you were excited for that move or or were you afraid? You know, I have very clear memories. I was only um, eight years old, and the story actually reaches back beyond me. My father and my mother are are Americans of uh, Chinese descent, and they grew up in mainland China. They went through the Civil War. 
They went through domestic upheaval, tremendous instability in their lives. And um, all they wanted in their young lives was peace and security. Uh, My family relocated to Taiwan, and my parents met there, got married, started a family. And when I was five years old, my father actually left us behind to seek a better life in America. He had scored number one in the national examinations and consequently had a chance to go abroad to study. He was also at that time the youngest sea captain of his time at the age of 29. So he went first, and it took him three long years before he was able to bring my mother, my two sisters, and me to America. My mother, when he left, was seven months pregnant with their third child. So at this adult age that I am now at, I am filled with admiration for her courage, her determination, and for her support of her husband, and for the risks that they took to seek a new life in a new country. So I was eight, and I remember being in Taipei, the capital city of Taiwan, and we took an overnight train from Taipei to Kaohsiung, which is a port city. We boarded uh, a steamship and went across the Pacific Ocean and up all the way through the Panama Canal, all the way up to New York, and it took 37 days. My mother was the uh, only adult woman uh, on board. It was a cargo ship, and she had three young children. Again, looking back now, I just can't imagine uh, what that was like. But So I remember the trip. I, I think I was excited because I had the love of my parents, we uh, we had a stable family environment, but it was also kind of scary. It was difficult. At first, we didn't understand the culture. We didn't speak the language. Uh, our little family of five lived in a small one-bedroom apartment in Queens, and I didn't get my citizenship until I was 19 years old. And I still remember that as well. When I finally got my citizenship, it was like as if I could breathe again. But I think during these initial years of uh, great change and difficulty, we were rich in the things that matter the most in life. You know, love, support for the family, faith in the Lord. And my parents overcame tremendous challenges, and they had such faith in this country and the opportunities that it held for their daughters. And because they believed it, we believed it as well. Wow. I I love that. I I understand you were the oldest of six, and I I wondered about your upbringing and if that put any added pressure on you uh, being the oldest. You know, I never thought that there was pressure. Uh, Being the oldest child, I did feel an obligation and a responsibility, you know, to help my parents and whatever they were doing around the house and also in being a good example for my sisters and taking good care of them. So uh, in the Asian-American culture, it's very hierarchical. So the big one takes care of the little ones. Yes, yes. And you mentioned your father, and your father, Dr. James uh, Chow, is the founder of the Foremost Group, which is a New York-based shipping, trading, and finance um, enterprise. And he's been extremely successful. Successful. I wondered if um, you think that some of your own ambition comes from your dad. 
You know, we're Asian Americans, so we're very modest. And we, I think we would never say that, you know, we would never boast that we were successful. And I don't think my father's ambition was for financial success. What he wanted to do was to contribute to society, to, um, you know, contribute a service that he thought he could be helpful, and that's in international uh, shipping. And so he was always motivated by a desire to contribute. And he was of the firm, and subsequently, I think we all have learned and have the faith that, you know, if we do our best and if we uh, contribute ourselves, good things will happen. So that was never the goal. I credit my father and my mother with uh, imbuing within my sisters and me, you know, just a tremendous sense of possibilities in this country. They also Mm. taught us to be curious because they Mm. had confidence that this country would offer tremendous opportunities for their daughters, even though they themselves would not know what these opportunities were. But they had faith in the country. They always encouraged us to think broadly, to think outside the box, to think outside of our little community of immigrants, and that there would be great opportunities for us in this wonderful country. That's a a great example for young women. Um, Secretary Chow, we're going to go into our first break. Stay with us for our military watch and our legal watch. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch. Military watch. I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military and Veteran Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. As we navigate the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, our company recognizes now more than ever how crucial our role is in helping people stay connected to those things that matter most. Our loved ones, work, school, telemedicine, and the latest updates about the virus. To keep these connections going strong, we know that having reliable and affordable internet access is vital. That's why Comcast is offering internet essentials free to new customers through June 30th. Those who qualify can sign up to receive 60 days of complimentary Internet Essentials service, which is the nation's largest, most comprehensive Internet adoption program for low-income households. We're committed to bridging the digital divide and supporting digital literacy, so we're making sure people have the Internet access they need, especially now. Another way we're supporting military families and all households that have kids at home right now is providing free educational resources for our Xfinity customers. In partnership with Common Sense Media, we've created an education destination for kids K through 12 with nearly 2,000 hours of programming and thousands of free titles for Xfinity video customers to give children and parents quick and easy access to educational programming by grade level. I speak for all of us at Comcast NBC Universal when I say that we believe service matters and we're incredibly appreciative of everyone now serving on the front lines, keeping our communities safe and running. To learn more about Comcast's COVID-19 response, please visit corporate.comcast.com slash COVID-19. Thanks and be sure to stay tuned in the coming weeks to hear more about the ways that Comcast NBC Universal is committed to serving our military community. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. 
In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Watch. Legal Watch. Legal Watch. This is Nicole Hitner from Ballard Spar Law Firm for Legal Watch. Every day, clients are reaching out with questions about how this global pandemic is affecting their business, including their employees. At Ballard Spar, we're working hard to make answers to those questions readily available to everyone. A few days ago, my partners Shannon Farmer, Lou Chadoff, and Denise Kaiser launched part two of a webinar series titled Resuming Workplace Operations the long march back from pandemic isolation. You can access it and part one on Ballard's online resource center, which you can find at ballardspar.com by clicking on the events and news tab. There are so many questions about how to safely return to work and how businesses can support their customers and employees as we do so. We at Ballard's Bar are committed to helping you get there. Please reach out if we can be a guide or resource for you and your business. Ballard Spar stands with our clients and communities as we all cope through this difficult time, and we hope that everyone stays safe and healthy. Again, this is Nicole Hitner at Ballard Spar, and we're here to help. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. If you're just tuning in, I'm joined this evening by the U.S. Secretary of Transportation, Elaine Chow. And um, Secretary Chow, I wanted to—you mentioned um, receiving your citizenship at the age of 19. That's that's a really um, formidable time for for a young girl. And I wonder if you could expand on what it meant to you. Well, you know, it took us about 11 years before our family and I were able to get our citizenship. So you're in this limbo. And we, of course, applied. It took about 11 years to apply and then have it granted. And we, I always felt as if, you know, that I was holding my breath, that my life hadn't really started. And then when I got my citizenship at 19, it was, as I mentioned, like I can breathe again. I let out a huge sigh of relief that I'm an American now and that I can carry around the blue passport. That blue passport means so much. Having been director of the Peace Corps, um, in a head of United Way, that blue password, the passport, means so much. It, it is universally recognized. It has a lot of uh, freedoms, and we have, you know, that we have as Americans. So it was a real big deal to get my citizenship, and I still remember it to this day. Academically, I would say that you um, certainly have a passion for education, having earned an MBA from Harvard, uh, an economics degree from uh, Mount Holyoke College, and the recipient of 37 honorary doctorate degrees. Tell me, where does that drive, that academic drive come from? Perhaps you mentioned curiosity at the top of the show. Perhaps that's something that's in your DNA. Well, you know, I come from an Asian-American family, as uh, you've heard already, and Asian-Americans just place a great premium on education. So we are brought up to focus on education. And then on top of that, my mother was ahead of her time, and she was one of the very few women of her, 
generation that actually got uh, an education. So she always believed in the transformational power of education. She also believed that men and women were the same and that women can achieve just as much as men. And then my parents always encouraged us to explore outside of our world because had we just stayed within our little world, it would have been such a small world of immigrants that we, you know, that we were with and the world outside was so much bigger. I majored in economics because I knew that I had to make a living. I wasn't really one of those people that can coast or rely upon my parents. And my responsibility was to be financially independent, to help alleviate the financial burden of my family, and to help my younger sisters. So education was really important in terms of um, advancement within this, uh, within this society and country. You were granted a, a White House fellowship in 1983, and I w- wondered if that was a pivotal moment for you that led to your interest in politics. You're going to be so surprised to hear me say that I'm actually not interested in politics, and I don't consider <laughs> myself in politics. I'm in government, and I'm in public service. Uh, mm, what prompted okay. me to apply for the White House fellowship was that there was so much I didn't understand about America. And I wanted to understand how things worked here, how the government worked. And so I had met uh, someone who had been a White House fellow who recommended it. And this is, again, another example of where you've got to go beyond your community, you know, push beyond the borders, and you'll find wonderful people who will give you new information, who will plant seeds of new thought and ideas and insight. So I applied for the White House Fellowship. It was very competitive, and I was there for a year, and I learned so much about how the White House functions, which is very important to me now, and also how the federal government worked, the balance, the checks and balances between the three branches. And again, I don't think I was planning for it, but again, I was led by curiosity, and that led to a whole new world of which I'm still a part of. Right. Um, You are, most people know that you are the very first Asian American woman to be appointed to the president's cabinet in American history. And we're seeing so many wonderful firsts today for women. What did it mean to you to be the first? I never wanted to be the first. It was very lonely. And I'm so glad that there are so many more people who are act, you know, able to enter mainstream America in so many different ways. When I first entered the workforce, there were not very many women, not very many Asian Americans. So I've pretty much been the first in every job that I've ever had. But being different has also given me a different perspective, an outside perspective, which I think makes me a more compassionate, empathetic um, a stronger leader because of my diverse experiences. Uh, for example, I've been willing to take on challenges. I think that a lot of other, you know, more mainstream leaders may not have. And I think I've also built more inclusive teams because to me, you know, a leader doesn't come in a particular type of packaging. I mean, they can look, they can look at like all, you know, they can look all different types of, um, you know, of packaging. So yes. as a first Asian-American woman, you know, 
ever appointed to a president's cabinet, I recruited a lot of women, not because, uh, not not looking solely for gender differences, but because my eyes are so much more open to where, how talent um, comes. And, you know, I was also very much aware that whatever I did reflected on the Asian Pacific American community. So mm-hmm. I worked very hard to be worthy of that tremendous uh, honor. And during my career, I've always tried to help others along the way as a way to give back to those who have helped me. Um, when I was growing up, I didn't have very many mentors. And so I counsel young people, don't be discouraged. If you do not have mentors, you can still get ahead. You can learn by uh, teaching yourself to learn. You can observe, you can watch, and you can learn a lot by watching and you know, learning uh, that way. Yeah. You know, Secretary Chair, I want to talk more about that when we come back. We're going into our next break. Stay with us for our Tech Watch with Mary Manzo and our Health Watch with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso from Pathways Consulting Group. Recently, I had the pleasure of interviewing some incredible people from the company Caregility. Mike Brandafino, President and COO, and Kelly McDermott-Harmon, SVP of Marketing. Last segment, I talked about their solutions in the telehealth space and some of the incredible advancements that they've made in a rapid response to COVID-19. Their telehealth solutions focus on the clinician experience and provides a two-way communication platform that includes audio and video designed to facilitate convenient access to quality care in any clinical setting. Imagine being in an ICU with limited nursing staff and having a command center of specialists remotely monitoring patients both through audio and video and with a single push of a button have the ability to alert nurses if a patient is in distress. What I learned during the interview is that telehealth is here to stay and is changing the lives for both the patient and caregivers. The boundaries for it are limitless and is changing the way care is and will be delivered. Mike Brandafino told me that budgets in hospitals are opening up for the level of health care needed for the future. He further told me that he sees the solutions going beyond the walls of the hospital. Imagine a nationwide telehealth program that allows for funding and legislation that allows insurance providers to cover the cost of the technology. Imagine if facilities were set up in various locations nationally that would give access to patients to connect with clinicians without having to travel hours away. Imagine these facilities minimizing the risk of contagions for patients that need to be seen on an outpatient basis by a clinician. This level of care can only help to speed up diagnosis and treatment. Kelly said she's seeing new use cases for their technology every day. And Mike said to me that we have peeked into the future and can conceive the art of the possible. If you'd like to share information on this topic, email me at mary at pathwayscg.com. To learn more about Caregility, visit caregility.com. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. Now, the women to watch. Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. 
COVID-19 can make you anxious, depressed, disrupt your sleep, even if you've never had these issues before. And if you do have a history of mental illness, social distancing and isolation can be frustrating and may reverse progress you were making. It's also a tough time for people who struggle with addiction, be it alcohol, drugs, gambling, and possibly increased domestic violence, child abuse, even suicides. This morning on Your Radio Doctor, I told listeners that on May 4, Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney and the City of Philadelphia partnered with Independence Blue Cross to sponsor a new public awareness campaign called Mindful Together. That's Mind PHL Together. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Total well-being includes your physical and mental health. Some level of worry is natural with today's issues. Fear of COVID in yourself or family, isolation, then what's worse, working harder or no job at all. The important message is you are not alone and it's okay to seek help. Website mindfultogether.com has great resources, an anonymous questionnaire to check your needs, several virtual events, webinars on mental health, support groups for suicide prevention, moms with new babies, people mourning loss of a loved one, even one called Shades of Blue about spiritual needs, superb tools for your emotional wellness. There's no stigma attached to needing help. Look around you. Everyone is worried. Commissioner David Jones from Department of Behavioral Health and Intellectual Disability Services tells us help is here. It's free and available to all city residents struggling with deep sadness or loss. He urges check yourself, check your family, check your friends, take care of each other. Divas, that's why we call it the city of brotherly and sisterly love. Website mindfultogether.com. That's mindphltogether.com. This evening, I'm joined by U.S. Secretary of Transportation, Elaine Chow, and you were talking about mentors and and the work that you do. I know you're very um, involved in helping anyone, really, um, who wants an opportunity to build a better life for themselves. And um, I wanted to know your kind of philosophy on, on what you think the key is for immigrants to be able to do that kind of break down for me how much it is about self-belief and how much it is about opportunity. Well, I think immigrants are so much um, luckier um, to be living in a more diverse America where our population is just increasingly diverse. And pretty soon the majority will be, the minorities will become the majorities in our population. But I think there are certain basic fundamentals. Number one, I think it's really important to learn English. If you, um, we're becoming more tolerant of people uh, who speak with, uh, you know, who speak differently. But communication skills are very important because we, li- we live and work in an open society, and we have to persuade others to our point of view. We have to communicate what we want and what we're trying to convey. So learning uh, how to speak English is very important. Number two, I think um, it's important to learn about American culture. And don't be afraid to learn about American culture. Don't be afraid to ask other people for help. This goes back to my mentorship point. You know, most people are very kind and they want to help. So don't be afraid to ask for help. In some countries, in some cultures, that's difficult to do. But in this country because perhaps we come from all over the world, we're constantly talking, we're constantly asking each other for help. So don't be afraid to ask for help. 
learn about American culture, and also share your Native culture with the rest of us. Because we live in a very diverse country, we're always interested in other countries, other cultures. So share, um, you know, your Native culture with uh, the rest of America as well. Secretary Chow, your job is to oversee the administration of the um, Department of Transportation and, and coordinate policies. I was wondering how many moving parts are there under your leadership, if, if you could just kind of describe a day in the life. Um, yes. That you, well, that, yeah. our department is about um, 75,000 people. Uh, about 44,000 are in FAA. And we op- our budget is about $126 billion now this fiscal year. We operate the national airspace. And here I want to give a big shout-out to the Federal Aviation Administration and all the air traffic controllers. There are about 15,000 air traffic controllers who manage the skies and make sure that um, the national airspace is operational and safe. Uh, we have 10 modes of transportation. Uh, and there's, it's a big department. We have three priorities at the three top priorities at the U.S. Department of Transportation. Number one, safety is always number one. We want people to leave their homes and come back home safely. Number two, um, as the president has often stated, we need to address our infrastructure needs for overall international competitive reasons, for the economic vibrancy of our economy, and also for the quality of life for our citizens and uh, residents. And then number three, we have a responsibility at the department to prepare for the future. So we need to be engaging with new emerging transportation technologies uh, to address legitimate public concerns about safety, security, and privacy without uh, hampering innovation. So, for example, we regulate drones, self-driving cars, commercial space, uh, supersonic flights. Uh, Someday we're probably going to have maybe flying taxis. So we are already thinking about the transportation system of the future. And then I might also add, we're also cognizant that over-regulation has a cost. So how do we balance all these issues about safety, security, and privacy without hampering innovation? Because we want innovation to occur, because innovation is very much a part of America's national identity. That's a that's a big task, isn't it? I mean, to kind of utilize all of these emerging technologies and innovation with the need to put safety and security first is, you know... um, what are some of the things that you look at in trying to determine how, how much forward we can go and then perhaps how much we need to maybe, um, you know, take a step back if it's somehow infringing on any areas of, of privacy? Well, we, uh, privacy is a very important issue with drones, obviously. But we're seeing right. more and more of, um, you know, drones delivering packages, and it will, I think, be an increasing trend. But what we do, number first and foremost, is we seek public comment. We actually uh, go out to the public and we say, you know, how do you feel about this? You know, what are, these are some of the things that we are contemplating doing 
what is your input? And we are not top-down. We are not command and control. We want the public. We want the private sector, the consumers, to determine what is it that they want and then provide feedback to us and how do we help to shape that future. If you're just joining the show, I am with U.S. Secretary of Transportation, Elaine Chow, this evening. Um, when we come back, we're going into our last break. I, I'd love to talk about other countries that perhaps you look to um, whose innovation and growth around infrastructure is, is, is one that you find good. Stay with us for our Financial Watch with Terry and Maggie. The Women to Watch, Finance Watch. Hi, this is Maggie. And this is Terry. And we're from Fortis Wealth. Most people understand that a will is an important document to have in place. But did you realize that there are actually five important documents that we all should have? Terry, why don't you list the first three? Sure. First, everyone over the age of 18 should have a power of attorney for health care, which is different than an advanced directive. The health care POA appoints someone to make medical decisions on your behalf if you're incapacitated, even for a short time. Wouldn't you rather choose the person best suited for this task while you're able? Alert for parents of college-age children. HIPAA laws can prevent you from access to your child's medical information without this document in place. Then a durable power of attorney for finance enables the appointed person to manage all your financial affairs. Again, why not choose those decision makers now to avoid issues if your loved ones are left to decide? Revocable trusts are not just for the wealthy but can be used for, by anyone with assets. The trust can function like a will, allowing the estate to avoid probate. The trust maker can maintain control of their assets as for as long as they like or as, are able to manage them. Beware of scams that promise that a revocable trust will avoid estate and other taxes, as this is not the case. The fourth is a will. Without a valid will, your estate will be subject to your state's intestacy laws, and a judge will decide how your assets will be distributed. A will is especially important for those with dependent children, as it allows us to name guardians for them. Otherwise, the state will decide. Writing a will is the best assurance that your wishes will be respected. The medical or advanced directive lets the medical world know the steps you want taken to keep you alive, such as whether or not you want artificial support for breathing and eating with a ventilator and feeding tube. This information is not intended to be legal advice. Estate law is complicated and is different in each state. Please consult with an estate planning attorney or specialist regarding your particular situation. This is Terry. And this is Maggie. Peace out. If you believe that family, charity, or money is deeply important for the greater good, Fortis Wealth invites you to a highly personalized financial discovery process to help you visualize your financial legacy. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to invest the time and thought, they can offer advice and strategies to help you accomplish your dreams. Fortis Advisors is a wholly owned subsidiary of Fortis Wealth, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Visit Fortis-Wealth.com today because tomorrow is waiting. Thanks so much again for being with us on going into this Memorial Day weekend, um, having a wonderful conversation with Secretary Elaine Chow. We were talking about, you know, kind of what you do every day, which is I'm sure that was not even close to um, what you have to manage and, and be, you know, kind of concerned about. I wondered if there were countries that you look to um, as great examples for their innovation and, and growth in infrastructure. Well, we attend international conferences, uh, you know, frequently 
to get uh, updates on what other countries are doing. But I think the most important thing is that each country is different. And so America still leads the world in overall innovation and technology. So, in fact, if anything, other countries look to us. And what we have to do is to preserve the environment here so that innovation continues to flourish and that we are not hampering innovation. We also, you know, as I mentioned, we, we go international. There are, there are many conferences. And so they come over here uh, as well. Um, you know, Secretary, we can't really talk about your life and your life story without uh, mentioning the fact that your husband is um, the Senate Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell. And I know that he has done a lot of work and is an advocate for women in the workplace and leadership. Um, tell me a little bit about that and, and what he hopes to do and, and looks to do for for women. Well, You've got to have him on. He's actually very interesting. But he's always been supportive of women, and I think that comes naturally because he has three daughters. He looks for talent wherever he finds it. I actually learn a lot about leadership from him. He's very steady, very calm, and uh, he trusts his people. He gives them a lot of uh, leeway. He's also a great husband. I call him my low-maintenance husband. Uh, he actually shares in the uh, housework fully. He takes care of himself. I don't do anything for him. He actually sometimes, um, you know, helps me uh, with um, with um, my stuff as well. But he's very he's a, a very calm, and he's got he's very self. You know, he's just really humble and modest, and he's a very good husband. So he cooks. I clean up, and sometimes he'll clean up as well. And uh, we take turns on all the household things. I think he's actually better at it. He actually says that he's better. And so he's very <laughs> helpful around the house. A, a very modern day couple. You know, you're, uh, you're referred to as a political power couple and your life is very public and out there. And I wondered how you personally manage that kind of scrutiny. Um, you know, the, the opinions of others, the judgments, what, what is your kind of mantra for, for managing that personally? You know, well, we've been in our line of work for quite a while, and we both feel very, very fortunate that we're able to serve the country and do work that we find affirming and rewarding. Uh, both of us are patriots. We want to be able to bring good things uh, to the country. And part of that journey will include um, very unfair and malicious you know, attacks, and that's just kind of what goes with the territory. I think it's also really important, and I want to mention this to you know, your listeners, a lot of times um, things are unfair and uh, bad things happen, and I think you have to really believe in yourself and what you're doing and, you know, and have confidence. And so um, I grew up in a very strong family of women, as I mentioned. Uh, I've got six. There are six girls in my family. So we grew up in, under great adversity, and um, we just had great confidence, again, in ourselves and in this country. And I think that stood, stood me in good stead. Um, you know, Secretary Chow, we're, we're all living with, with fear today. And I wanted to share a quote. Um, you said, I know what it is to feel vulnerable and fearful during a difficult time. What were you referring to and how do you manage your own fear today? 
I'm fearful all the time. Throughout my whole life, every single part, every single job that I've had, I was always a bit fearful that I wouldn't be able to do the job, that I wouldn't meet my own expectations. And a lot of times, I would advise you're just going to have to swallow your fear and just go with it. And it's that balance where you're not quite sure you're going to be successful, but you want to try. And that's really the point that you want to be at. Because a lot of times you can't be completely comfortable, then it gets really boring. And you can't be so audacious that you're just kind of leaping off of a cliff and there's no safe landing. So I think welcome, you know, I think it's important to welcome the bad times as well. Because they make you stronger. They make you more empathetic. They make you more grateful for life, for all the good things in life. And I've I've always been very grateful for all the opportunities I've had, for the people who have believed in me and gave me those opportunities. So fear is very normal. What you got to do is overcome it and just go for it. You know, I think people would be surprised to hear to hear you say that just, you know, so candidly. Um, and, and I appreciate that because I think it's it's hard to to be pursuing any of um, the endeavors we are without having that fear. What would you say to our listeners, particularly young women who are perhaps looking to um, take a step towards a dream that they've had, but but are stuck? Don't be afraid. If anything, that's my mantra. I come from an immigrant community. I come from newcomers who are so vulnerable, and they're so afraid of what they don't know. So first of all, don't be afraid. This country is a wonderful country. We have wonderful people in this country who are kind and generous with their advice, with their help. So never be afraid to reach out. Don't be afraid to ask questions and never doubt yourself. You have particular talents. It's your responsibility to find out what your special talent is and find out what your passion is and then go for it. I wanted to mention as well um, your work with the Peace Corps um, and how that may have changed your perspective or, or surprised you about just the human spirit in general. The Peace Corps is a wonderful um, organization. They send young people abroad and they not only help those countries, but then they come back to America and share with the rest of us their experiences abroad. I also work for United Way of America. And through those two organizations, I learned so much about volunteerism. And here's another piece of advice I have for your listeners. Leadership is not inborn. Leadership is a skill that can be acquired, and you get better and better at it as you practice. So I encourage people to practice leadership at a small level, at a low level first, and then, um, you know, greater and greater challenges. So I kind of make a joke. I said, you know, you should practice, you should participate, join a volunteer organization, and volunteer for leadership positions. Um, You know, if you don't do well, what are they going to do? They're going to fire you? You're a volunteer. But having been head of the <laughs> Peace Corps, having been head of the United Way, I know that we those organizations need volunteers. And you learn so much, and you do so much good by um, joining these volunteer organizations, learning about leadership, and also doing some good as well. 
You know, um, my last question for you, you mentioned the United Way of America. And um, at one time you were the president and CEO. And at that time, there, you know, you had to restore public trust after mismanagement um, and abuse. And that's a very tough thing to regain the trust. What was kind of your initial course of action to get that done? To ask for help. United Way has millions of volunteers who care deeply about the move, the, they call it the movement, the movement, the organization. And I couldn't do it on my own. But what I can do is to appeal to these millions of volunteers and also professionals within this um, United Way movement to help rescue the organization. That's what we did. We implemented all sorts of new governance changes. We instituted a new ethics code. And it was through all of us volunteers and um, professional staff within the United Way movement that United Way now is back on track. Yeah. Listen, I I am so grateful um, for you to take time today to share your story. It was such a wonderful conversation filled with um, great, great advice for our listeners. So I hope you continue to um, stay well and take care. Thank you. And so the ending words, never be afraid to ask for help. Love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's it for another week of Women to Watch. Enjoy your Memorial Day tomorrow. And if you've served, we thank you so very much. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.